0: Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting his word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join
1: us as we're reaching a city to touch the world.
0: Thank you, Lord, for another day, another year, another opportunity to get it right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, um, I thought we would have our roses during the time, but I understand and I'm so grateful for uh, the added thing that they would pray for us as you get your rose. So don't forget, you know, get your rose, get your prayer because we're gonna need it, right? We're gonna need it so we can continue. But um, again, happy Mother's Day to everyone. And how many of you were able to be a part of the conference this weekend? I mean, if you weren't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you missed out on amazing two days of word that was powerful from some powerful women, right? And how many of you enjoyed my mother? She's no joke, right? I'm forever trying to rise up to her level. She's always raising the bar and setting the standard where I'm like, Mom, you're 85. Can you slow this thing down? When will I catch up with you? But to this day, my mom still hits her knees to pray. Ain't no, you know, praying, sitting up. She's 85. Now y'all know, we'd be laying down saying, Lord, you're good while we still got the pillow under us. <laughs> and my mother is still rising up and hitting those knees, no matter how much they ache. She gets on her knees and she gives God praise. And that's what we talked about all weekend, generational inheritance, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Passing it on. Generations is simply defined as a bunch of people, individual, born around the same time, living around the same time. And it's also defined as a family lineage of a span between 25 to 30 years. And as of late, that span has shortened for 15 years. And it's from birth of a parent to the birth of a child. That's what makes up a generation. Inheritance is simply the passing down or receiving of something of value, genetic qualities, transmission of parent to offspring, the acquisition of possession or traits that are passed down from generation. So what do we inherit? What are we supposed to pass now? Is it blessings or is it curses? I come today with a word of encouragement and a loving challenge for all parents out there. We are not done yet. I don't care how old they are, we are not done yet. And as I prayed over this uh, message and studied very hard, as my kids was really tired, because I kept saying, no, no, no. And they're like, look, I am really ready for Sunday to come and go. Because I got some things I need from you. And I'm like, not today. But uh, I've really come to understand that there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. Every struggle we face, every situation we go through, they went through back then as well. So what a timely conference we had and a timely word because I've been concerned personally about this next generation. It's been weighing on my heart. It's like, are they getting it? You know, they seem to have a greater loss and they seem to have lack of equipment. And they're lacking that equipping to make it through what they're going through. But just as sure as there's a problem, there isn't a solution. Praise be to God. So to summarize all of this and how we got here, in the beginning God created the world and he created a world of blessings for Adam and Eve to enjoy and to have dominion over and for their seed to inherit those same blessings. But disobedience allowed sin to enter into a perfect scenario And man fell from a state of blessings to a state of curses. So man grappled for a while and then God established his covenant with Abraham. And a generational blessing was promised to Israel with the keeping of the laws and commandments that were given to them by Moses. They would be his people and he would be their God. God makes good on the covenant with Abraham, but the children of Israel find themselves captive and enslaved, needing deliverance out of Egypt through Moses. And while in the wilderness, after being delivered, God begins to make them and shape them, or reshape his people according to his intended plan. Right? Reestablishing their destiny and their worth, resetting vision, and allowing them to understand that where they were, which was in bondage of sin, they no longer had to be. God gave them laws and statues and commandments to set boundaries, you know? For them, so that they can be protected on their journey while learning to trust and understand God's wisdom. So parents, I guess you you I mean, you right now you can understand that, right? We can we can understand that concept, we do that. We've done it as soon as the baby come home, we're baby proofing the house. We're making sure gates is up so they don't walk. So it's, it's the idea of because you love someone and you love them dearly and you know where they can go, you want to set parameters around things that could possibly hurt them, right? So that's a, that's a myth dispelled from people thinking, you know, God just want to control you. No, he wants to protect you so you can get to where you're supposed to go. But the reality is these statues were not up for debate. The word statue means in itself to inscribe or to cut into, which refers to the everlasting nature of the scriptures. Today we use it as a catch phrase, but back then it was literally set in stone. Moses in De- Deuteronomy says, acknowledge the Lord today that God is God and there is no other. So keep his decree, commands that I'm giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you. Generational inheritance, passing it down. Our text is in Psalms 1 through eight. The psalmist also speaks with the authority of God. He's speaking to his peers and his countrymen with an authoritative tone. He says, give ear, O my people, to my instructions. Listen to the words of my mouth. I would open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things hidden from the beginning that we have heard and known, and our fathers have relayed to us. We will not hide them from their children, but will declare to the next generation the praises of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has performed. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the coming generation would know them, even children yet to be born, to arise and tell their own children, that they should put their confidence in God, not forgetting his works, but keeping his commandments. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation but whose hearts were not loyal to God and whose spirits were not faithful unto him. Here you see he had an urgent message and it needed to be passed down. You know, I come from a very big family. I'm 10 of 10 children. Yes, they call it the last of the Mohegans. And uh, we, we were raised Pentecostal. Yes, Pentecostal. And raised like that. I mean, everything could send you to hell. Everything. I'm like, oh God, I might be going to hell today, you know. You know, and that's rough, but it's true. You could end up in hell if you sin and doing anything opposite. But the reality is the church was very strict in its rules and in their teaching. You know, they was like, no makeup, no no pants, no cussing. No drinking, no shacking. Do y'all even know what shacking is? Yeah. And you know, I don't understand. I used to want to, I used to practice cussing. <laughs> I just thought you could, hey, if I add a few of those words, I'll really tell somebody off. <laughs> but you know, when wasn't no cussing in my house and I knew it wasn't right. So I used to be like, oh, okay, I'm a, when I tell someone, I'm, I'm tired of your S. <laughs> I would always say the letter. And I was just waiting to get it up, because the real deal, I'm going to say the word, you know? But I was going to practice for a while. And so I remember the day somebody made me mad at school, and they was like, Debra, I'm tired of you. And I was like, look, I'm tired of all your ass. And I said the word. And in my mind, I was like, that was good. You can in and right lane. You did it right. You know, I'm really proud of myself. And meanwhile, the girl just go to crying. And the whole class was like, oh, Sonya, God God gonna strike you down. You know Debbie ain't got no business. I mean, they all jumped her. She ain't got no business cussing. She ain't supposed to be cussing. I was like, no, y'all, I've been practicing. It's okay. I'm trying to get this thing with y'all. Yes. All jokes aside, the Pentecostal upbringing was preaching truth. You know, they pointed out ways and practices that were opposite to the principles of godly living and just gave it no room. All they said is, we just won't have no room for that. You know, and you may have your opinion about that, but I'm grateful because they took the instructions of passing it down seriously. So question number one, what was passed down? What do we teach the next generation? Well, in verses one through four of our text, the psalmist is telling them what to pass down. He says, give ear. So he said, okay, listen everybody. Listen to these instructions. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. You know, he got really frank with them. And he said, because I'm about to remind y'all of what was taught to us. And what we're, you know, what we were learning when we were younger. Somehow, some way, we've gotten away with it. We're, we're, you know, we've got to get back to what our teachers, uh, our fathers teach, taught us and passed down to us. And, and and it seems like, as you read it, that maybe they were getting a little lax a little laid back, maybe too busy. You know, have you been a little too busy to get in your word or too busy to make sure the kids have been prayed over before they go to school? You know, we get a little busy and we forget and we figure, you know, they'll catch it. Well, this moment is where he's bringing back the urgency. And he says, we will not hide them from their children and we will declare to the next generation the praises of the Lord and His might and the wonders He has performed. See, the law of God was given with a particular charge to teach it diligently to their children so that the church may abide forever, and the provinces of God, both in mercy and in judgment, might encourage them to conform to the will of God. See, teaching judgment is not a problem. But teaching judgment without mercy is withholding the whole story. You know, that's the only problem. So my Pentecostal upbringing uh, had a lot of truth and judgment. But, you know, sometimes you may not feel the grace in mercy. <laughs> and mercy. That, and that was the good stuff, though, because grace is that undeserved favor. And mercy is simply compassion instead of punishment. But yet I was very grateful for that upbringing and thankful to God for the parents that taught not only by word but by example to love God, treasure his word, serve and honor the church. And boy, oh boy, do we need it for where we had to go. I didn't know that at 15 I'd be singing on Broadway, dead smack in the middle of Manhattan. Mama ain't there, but she already did her part. She passed it down. So we have to equip our children. And that here in this scripture is exactly what Ossip was doing. He had that same intensity for guarding the statues of God and being intentional in passing down even when it failed or seemed like they were failing to do it. He refused to let the God of Abraham and the covenant and the laws get lost and forgotten by the next generation. So question number two. Who passes it down? Who's responsible for teaching the next generation? According to the text, it was the vital role of parents, grandparents, guardians, in leading the next generation to know, love, and serve God. That's why it's a terrible assault on families. Divorce is, should I say. Because he command, in verse five, our fathers to teach their children that the coming generation would know them, even children yet to be born, it says, to arise and tell their own children. Here we see about three to four generations mentioned in just two verses. The fathers, their children, the children yet to be born, and their children. And we see this important work of teaching and passing it down. It's, it's very vital and it's constant. It's a job that's never done. And as 1 Timothy says, till I come, devote yourselves, yourselves. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting a little rowdy right there. To the public reading of the scriptures and preaching and teaching. Devote yourselves. Keep it constant, never ending. See, the Jewish culture was serious about this huge task of Israelite parents. They had the duty of teaching their children the facts of Israel's history, their ceremonies, their feasts that commemorated special moments and interactions with God so that remembrance of them might be handed down from generation to generation. So from the very first moment God established His covenant with Israel, He commanded parents to teach their children, who in turn would teach their children and in turn would teach their children. And the same command is found in the New Testament. It tells us to train up a child in the way it should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord. I mean, can you imagine if we were to do it like that today? I mean, really commemorate when God has been good, make a big deal out of it, make a feast out of it. Just the other day, James and I was driving and we were Crossing, we had stopped at tracks, you know. And we're timing the train, and it goes, and the tracks thing comes up, and we begin to go across, and then all of a sudden they started closing. Ringing again, we on the stage. I said, "Oh no, the blood of Jesus!" And we pushed through. I said, uh-uh. "I said, look at the devil trying to kill us." <laughs> and we go, "Lord, I thank you, thank you." But we failed to tell the children of his goodness. I mean, but back then they commemorated things like that. Do you know what the Lord just did? Do you know? And they sang about it and they remembered it. But the thing is, is now we, you know, you may not break out and feast and all that, but if we had regular time with our children, we would have had a moment, but we're too busy. We just making it done for Jesus, but we forgot to remind them or let them know, do you know what Jesus did? Do you know what he just did? Well, the responsibility to disciple our children and to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord falls squarely on the shoulders of parents and will require intentionality on our part. I mean, there's not a day that you shouldn't shake your children down after school, undo some of that stuff that they had to walk through. It's like you almost need a little list. How you doing, baby? Now, Now, who are you? And they need to be able to respond. I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Okay, you are you helping? And what does that mean, baby? It means I'm the head and not the tail. All right, now how is that to be? Because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and he's given me authority over all authority. All right, you are right today. You are right now. Go on to do your homework. You got to get that stuff off. Because the enemy has a plan for your child just as well but he has given us the duty to pass this down and to teach them who they are. We cannot leave it to children's church. We cannot leave it to the youth department. We can't leave it to anybody to make this life-changing information instilled in them. Those things were only supplements to what you should already have in place. And I know it's hard to be a parent, it's hard. You get tired of talking to these kids. They never seem to understand. I mean, I just don't understand. I was like, what don't you understand? Matter of fact, don't worry about it. Just do what I just said. You know? <laughs> it's hard. They don't understand. And, you know, but I'm grateful for the partnership I have within marriage. Because when I'm done, he kicks in. When dad is ready to kill him, I'm like, okay, no, don't kill my baby. I know, but don't. You know? And I know that there are many, many, many valid reasons for single parent homes. And I'm sure that it can make one feel some kind of way when something so specific, like fathers teach your children, shows up in the word and that doesn't quite describe your current state. You could easily feel lost or hopeless, but God sees you and He remembers you. The Bible says he executes justice for the fatherless. Yeah, he does. <laughs> in Deuteronomy, he said he told the Levites, he said, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns will come and eat and be filled. That the Lord your God may bless them in all the works and bless you in all the works of your hands. You know, the Levites was the church. So, Pastor JT and the men's department, this is you. He was talking to you, the men from the church that should step up and support the effort of passing this word down through mentorship, life groups, etc. But women, we're not out of it either. We have that same duty to teach young women and young teens about the truth and grace of God. That's the Titus 2 woman but I take my hat off to single-parent homes. Yes. You guys are heroes. Yes. And God yet entrusts you to still pass it down. Yes. And I know that life gets busy. And what the generations of old were strict on, we've become lenient on. And what this generation have become lenient on, the next generation will altogether disregard. Disregard. So, now we know what was passed down, and now we know who passed it down. So now the question is, how was it passed down? How do we teach the next generation? Verses 4 through 8 shows us to tell the story, to simply tell the story. Don't fail to tell the story. Of all the things that God has done, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord his might and the wondrous works that he has performed. I mean, put cat in the hat down and read you know about the Red Sea. Tell them about the three Hebrew boys. Tell them about Daniel and the lions den. Tell them about the miracle of the cross. That never gets old. Thank you Jesus. Talk about it day and night. Deuteronomy challenges us and says, these commandments are to be on your heart. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee, Lord. That's what the New Testament reading challenge is. It's for us to get into being devoted in the word. We've got to get in that word. And Deuteronomy continues with uh, uh, verse seven, it says, impress them on your children. It said, make a mark. Make a mark. I'm so grateful to hear that that's what my son would say about me. I'm Okay, maybe I'm making a mark. Impress on, them, impress on your children. Talk about them. Talk about the statutes of the Lord, the laws, and the goodness and his works. When you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as a symbol on your hands, and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the doors frames of your house. You know, that's the whole point of having a a picture of the cross or words of Scripture, so that they can be reminded of whose house this is. Scripture is asking us to be extreme. It's asking us to go above and beyond to be creative and be committed in passing it down. We can't wait for anybody. But you have to have something to pass down. Because the first lessons that is learned by a kid is what they see you do or don't do. Now, y'all know, maybe you don't, some of y'all may not know, I'm a homeschool teacher. Well, I'm the CEO, the CFO, the dean, director, and the substitute teacher, if ever needed. And the name of my school is Winslow Academy. That's Winans and low. And we are a Pentecostal church based school. We teach holiness. Now, is that God, what God said? You know, we're forever trying to find God in the, you know. <laughs> no, but really, with homeschooling, the world is your classroom. That's the benefit of it, right? The world is your classroom. So, daily chores and errands become opportunities for a math or science and history lesson. So, why not? Every day we find something to refer back to the Word of God. Why can't we show them how long are they? You see what God did? Ain't that amazing? See, that's what the Scripture was saying the other day. Why can't we do that? We can. We just don't. There's so much to talk about with God. We'll never run out of it. You know, and if you're not a great talker, there's so many movies. Have a movie night. You know, that's what God's Not Dead was for. Making sure that all modes of communication, we find ourselves passing it down. Why? Because His laws and precepts enlightens us of our worth and establishes our identity. God told Joshua to be careful to obey all the laws. Do not turn to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Then you will be prosperous. We're pointing to wrong things as prosperity. God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. That is the goal. That's the whole point of passing it down. We have to give them an end goal. Because eternity weighs in the balance. The whole point is God has a future for you. And he didn't just thinking of. He'd been planned it. So every generation has a responsibility to remind the next generation, do you know who you are? Do you know where you're going? you know who you belong to? I don't know why the psalmist in that text that we're coming from had such an urgency, but I, like I said earlier, I've been seeing, feeling that same urgency to gather and to remind you today to teach the next generation so that they will know and trust and obey God. Verse seven of our text says that they should put their confidence in God, not forgetting his works, but keeping his commandments. Why? They answered it. Number eight, that they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God and whose spirits were not faithful to him. This desired outcome goes beyond just hoping our kids will stay out of trouble. Instead, it's a purposeful plan to raise up faithful and passionate followers of Christ. You can put a stop to a generational curse. Just don't accept it and decide to start a new bloodline that boasts in the blessings of God and declare, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, maybe you don't. Feel like, I can do that. I didn't grow up in a church. And, and, you know, my house, we didn't serve the Lord. And maybe you feel like a hypocrite setting such hard boundaries or anything like that. But the reality is you're not setting your own boundaries. You're simply passing down the statutes of God. By word and by example. And in my opinion, it is hypocritical not to share with your children what you know to be true about God. Tell them. Share the story. Share your testimony of how God delivered you. Use it to teach them about the pitfalls of life and how the enemy is after him. Explain to them that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life or eternal life is through Christ Jesus. Listen, the works of God strengthens our resolution to keep his commandments. We've got to tell of his works. But apostasy is the end road for those that do not set their hearts right. That's full abandonment, fully walking away. And sadly, many parents, by negligence, and some in wickedness, become the distraction for their children. But young people, I encourage you today that you do not have to follow the examples of your parents especially if they're against the will of God you can accept this challenge for yourself now I'm closing but while I was preparing for this message and reading and reading articles I ran across an article from Focus on the Family and it it read or entitled understanding the generational curse of Exodus 34 God visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And the article continued, This worries me because my family has some skeletons in their closet, and sometimes I think passions are playing out. Does God hold me responsible for something that someone else did? Well, God made it undoubtedly clear in Exodus that you shall not bow down to any other god or idol to serve them for I am a jealous God." And this generational curse mentioned there was a warning to the Jews that they were to worship only God, not idols. Since the Messiah was to come through and out of Israel, all of Israel needed to follow God. But God did not leave the Israelites with no hope or forgiveness because that was available to all Israelites. Those who repented and followed God would be granted the blessings for future generations. This clearly infers that the generations being punished for their father's sin was only because they did not repent and seek forgiveness, but continued in their father's evil ways. As I mentioned early, in the beginning God, but in that same beginning was the Word and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the threat of generational curse is over. Thank you, Jesus. It's over due to the covenant. Hallelujah. Yes. And just like any other generational progression, You know, how they go from horses to cars and phones to smartphones and from paper to computers. Just the same, there has been a progressive change to attaining the promise. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. We've gone from passing down the letter of the law and its rituals to telling the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank God for Jesus. Can somebody thank God for Jesus? Hey, you're worthy. Yes, God, we went from needing a priest to go in on our behalf to being able to boldly come before the throne of grace in our own. We are still responsible to uphold the laws, but through accepting Christ, the laws are written and hidden in our hearts that we will not sin against them. Listen, Matthew 22 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you forget all that thou, that thou, that, just love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God. Teach your children to love God and love your neighbor. All of it hangs on that. The responsibility of passing it down, this generational inheritance must be forged with intentionality, persistence, and transparency to make true and lasting disciples of the next generation. So let me be the first to apologize. I apologize to especially all the youth if I found myself a little too busy trying to get the program together that I didn't have time to just look in your eyes, spend time with you. Parents, maybe we need to apologize to our children, verbally and then in action, and turn the ship around, because God has given us and commanded us to pass this word down, so that they will know who they are. So when they walk into the school, they don't have to deal with insecurity and and I don't know who I am. You say I am the righteous. You need to do. I'm gonna give that y'all shake them down. Who are you? I'm the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It means I'm the head and not the tail. How? Because the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's given me authority over all authority. You know, uh, the song that's been on my heart all day, all week, y'all sang it last week. Uh, oh Jesus, come on, come on, come on. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock in which I stand When everything around me is shaken I've never been more glad Cause I put my faith in Jesus And he's never let me down Faithful through generations So why would he fail now, he won't, isn't that something, he won't, you can stand with me. Oh, he won't, he won't fail, he won't, he won't fail, he won't. You know, you don't have to be a parent to commit to being devoted to taking someone through the word, passing it down, spending time with the next generation. You don't have to be a parent to do that. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I wanna do that, but I'm not quite confident with where I stand in the Lord. Within right now, let's, any parent that if you feel like any of this made any sense to you, or if you feel like I don't know him enough to be able to be bold about that, let's get that done today. Come on down to the altar and I'd like me, uh, ministry team. Come down and pray with these parents. Maybe you feel like you failed them in some way and that guilt just won't let you get up and get on. Well, let's come pray about it. Let's give that burden to the Lord because there is a generation and their future is at stake. And we've got to get back letting them know who they are and claiming that the house that they live in, no matter if it becomes popular or not, truth sometimes may not be popular. Telling the truth is definitely going to be opposite to what's going on on Instagram and in the world. But you can't have no fear about that. We're not here to be their buddies. We're here to make sure they get to the other side. Amen. James, come up and help me. Sing it with me. Christ is my firm foundation. Oh, you're here. The rock in which I stand. When everything around me is shaking. Oh, yes. I've never been more glad. Cause I put my trust in Jesus. He's never let me down, faithful through generations, so I would, he fell now, he won't. He won't.
1: He won't. Would you bow your heads in, in just a moment of prayer with me, please? I believe there are others who may need to come, and I just want to invite you. If you need a prayer prayed over your family, you want to pray with somebody for the sake of your family, whether you are a mother or a father or a daughter or a son, and you want your family prayed for, you want your part in the family prayed for, would you just touch base with the Lord right now? Listen for Him. If He's prompting you, I want to encourage you to come at the the end of the service. The ministry team is waiting. They'll pray with you for any prayer need at all. It may be a health concern. It may be a crisis in your family. It may be a conflict that's not resolved. It may be a sin that's eating away at the foundations of your home. It may be somebody else's sin, and you're praying for God to bring them home. They're here. They'll be happy to pray with you. Lord, thank you for this wonderful word today about passing on to generation after generation after generation the good word of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true word of the law and the statutes that you've given us. They're not restrictions, they're protections, we were told today. We don't want to live in a mindset of restrictions but we want to run in the path of your protection. That is the path in which we can run. And we rejoice in the fact that we can run without fear as long as we are living within the guardrail of your protection, within the guardrails of your word, within the guardrails of your plan and purpose for our lives. And we pray, Lord, that every mother in the room today, spiritual and biological and adopted, would know that you are guiding their every word, that you are working through their life, that you have good works set aside in advance for them to do. And part of that is passing on to one generation after the next, the truth of Jesus Christ. For all of us, Lord, we pray that you would help us to have a four generations mindset that we were were taught about today. Not just for this generation, not just for the next generation, but help us to build for four five, six, seven, even a thousand generations out. Give us a foundation that will never be shaken in our homes. Give us a foundation that can't be torn down in our society. And we pray, Lord, that you would do that in each home represented here today. In Jesus' name, we pray with joy and confident faith. Amen and amen. If this is your first time with us at Bethel right over here to my left if you look under the verse that uh, is there on the wall there'll be a, a sandy is there wave sandy sandy is there to greet you she has a gift for you she would love to meet you and help you get connected with our church and now let's go in the joy of the lord mothers please get your rose as you go know that you are prayed for go today knowing that god's grace is upon you and he is for you go with god